This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Appropriate for us as a message. Um, then the only song I can really kind of think of. Hey, friends, and welcome to a brand new episode of Beauty Unlocked. How's everyone doing? If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I'm Carissa. If it isn't your first time listening to the podcast, you already know who I am. <laughs> Howdy, hi. How's everyone doing? What's, how's, how's everybody handling everything? What's happening on your end? I would like to know. Reach out and tell me how you're handling the social distancing, not meeting people at pubs or going to clubs or just socializing in the more traditional kind of way. How are you guys handling this lock? lockup I would say it's a lockup this lockdown quarantine whatever name you go or use um, for the situation that we are facing at this moment that um, has well quarantine has been extended to a certain extent um, and you know a lot of places are saying well end of April like certain businesses are going to be allowed to open up while others will still like not be opened and some people are going to stay at home and others are not going to stay at home. I mean, I want to know what's going on on your end. Let me tell you what's going on here in Cyprus. A couple of days ago, I lost my shit. Like literally, oh my God. And plus, let's not mention that it has, uh, seriously, the energy has been extremely, extremely crazy. As always, I'm confuculated, nothing new. Um, and plus it was like the new moon yesterday in Taurus. Was it in Taurus? Yes, it was. I believe it was New Moon in Taurus. And that was yesterday on the 22nd, which happened to be Earth Day as well. So, yeah, a lot of crazy-ass energy. Lost my mind a few times. I can't say that it's fully back. But then again, most people would say, well, you've lost your mind since God knows when. So <laughs> nothing's changed. But yes, the, the energy has been crazy high. I mean, seriously, it's been ups and downs, extreme lows, extreme highs. And I'm just like, oh, God, I feel like I'm going through a bad, bad, like acid trip or something. Like, what the hell? A friendly reminder that here at Beauty Unlock the podcast, we do not endorse the usage of such drugs. But it feels like a weird ass acid trip. I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't know what the hell's happening. I'm all over the place. I'm surprised I haven't seen the dragon come out of like the fridge yet. But that's that's me. Um, also, another thing is that well, today's the tw I'm I'm recording this Thursday, the twenty third. Yesterday also marked the second month of Beauty Unlocked. So thank you, Suga. Uh, so oh my God, thank you so much for supporting the show. 
Uh, I don't. I'm wondering this. This episode's gonna be full of edits because uh, it's <laughs> it's gonna be a rough one. Ah, uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. But we celebrated our second month of Beauty Unlocked, so that's awesome. Awesome. And also, as a massive thank you, um, I released a bonus episode um, on the Wadabe tribe. And I hope you guys, in, well, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it because it's a really interesting episode. Well, bonus episode. It's short uh, compared to, I mean, there wasn't much rambling on my part like I do on on the normal, <laughs> the normal in air quotes uh, podcast. But in the sense of it was it was pretty straight to the point. My soul sister up in, in Geneva was just like, it was short. <laughs> And I'm like, well, yes. <laughs> she 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 always says, well, the episodes are a bit long. And then yesterday's episode, she well, on the bonus episode, she was just like, that was a short one. I was expecting more. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I quite literally rained on her parade right there. So, yeah. But let me know what you guys um, thought of the bonus episode. I also put the articles that I did reference, which were full of pictures of the Wadabe, Wadabe tribe. And showing their week-long festival of Gererwol. God, seriously, I need to... I can't find ways to pronounce these things. You know when you're trying to, like, type in the search, like, how do you pronounce this? <laughs> Nothing shows up and you're like, I'm screwed. I'm royally screw screwed. But hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode um, of the rich cultural, like, ceremony of courtship that the Wadabe do um, practice on an annual basis. On that note... This week's episode is uh, different. Well, it's different in the sense of we're not going to be talking about anal bleaching or any kind of cosmetic surgeries or any of that that's common practice, you might say, in the Western, in Western culture, we should say, <laughs> in Western society. We're going to take a look actually at tribal rituals of body modification. And a lot of these... A lot of these, let's say, kind of body modification practices were adopted or are adopted or have been adopted or <laughs> whoa, have been adopted by the West to a certain extent. Now, the reasoning behind it is a little bit more different than what these um, indigenous um, tribal cultures uh, do such um, body modification. And when the West did meet... Um, these cultures, these tribal indigenous cu cultures um, in the past, uh, and most of the time it was disastrous because I'm not going to even get into it. <laughs> like, I swear, my soul sister and I, we like went on and on and on yesterday with like voice notes on WhatsApp about things. But um, most of the times when the West did meet these cultures, there was, there was, disastrous consequences and let's not I'm not gonna even go deep down into history of colonialism and all that and practicing cultural genocide and so on and so forth we're going to skip that part <laughs> um, but when these when these westerners and colonizers did come into contact with a lot of these tribal um, populations they couldn't wrap their head around why they would ha they would do such practices when it came to body modification because they couldn't wrap their head around well why are you trying to make yourself unattractive but in these tribal cultures it wasn't it wasn't even in part 
thinking of, you know, the physical appearance or attractiveness or vanity as we in the West think of, I'm putting myself in there because, well, you know, I, I, I've grown up in Western culture, but in the sense of I, I come from two different cultures, but in the sense of, so Westerners couldn't comprehend why would you scar your body? Why would you? And then hundreds, hundreds of years later, here we are doing tattooing, doing piercings and doing some kind of body modification. But again, it's the thing of we pick and choose what we take from different cultures here and there and adopt it into like this wide range of what Western society is. Um, so we're going to take a deeper look into five tribal um, body modification practices that you may or may not be aware of. Oh, and I would like to actually add and apologize that I am so, so sorry that I might not, as always, pronounce um, tribal names correctly or these practices correctly, and I'm so, so sorry. I, I, I tried to look up how you would say these these specific words and came up with nothing, so I'm trying my best, and I would like to apologize beforehand. And I mean, it's in no means a way, I'm, I'm not trying to disrespect anyone or, you know, and anybody's culture or heritage. I just don't know how to pronounce them. And I'm so sorry. As always, are you ready? Here we go. All right. <clears throat> sorry, I have to clear my, my throat. So globalization has resulted in the blending and appropriation of cultural traditions around the world. World history has always been a story of blending and clashing of cultures and oftentimes not in a peaceful manner. Actually, oftentimes, most of the time, it has not been in a peaceful manner. But globalization and its technologies have made these events seem specific to our time. Nowadays, people are not only intrigued by cultures vastly different from their own, but also have almost instant access to learn more about them and appropriate some of their traditions. So although we are accustomed in Western culture, Western society to some sort of body modification practices, such as tattooing, piercings, and even scarification of the body, the origins of what we've practiced and taken, there's a pause in there, what we've taken and chose to take from cultures, they have origins, um, the origins of such have roots and traditions and carry many a cultural significance. And when it comes to body modification, um, we'd, be, we'd be wrong to assume that all are committed purely out of vanity because they are not. So people around the globe have long used their bodies as canvases for the expression of cultural identity, community status, connection to ancestors or gods, and to mark rites of passage or to wear a permanent amulet. So like I said before, we're going to take a, a look at five different tribal body modification practices. Some you may be aware of, and maybe you know the origins of, but we're going to look at why and how, what the origins of these different body modification practices came from. So the first tribe that we're going to talk about um, is the Ap Apatani tribe. And um, so the women of the Apatani tribe, um, they live in the Zero Valley of Arunachal Pradesh in India, and they have a unique tradition. They wear large nose plugs and face tattoos. But contrary to popular assumptions of face piercings and tattoos that we hold, the Apatani women do not use them for reasons of beauty, but more as a means to cover their beauty. 
So many Apatani women believe that it is a it is large nose plugs and tattoos that define them as members of their tribe. So according to legend, women from this tribe, the Apatani tribe, were and are so beautiful that men from other tribes would try to kidnap them. The tribe was also famous for its agricultural skills, so their villages were often attacked by others. Some stories say that the elders of the tribe decided to start tattooing the faces of the women and to insert nose plugs into their noses. According to other stories, the women decided to do it themselves. So the nose plugs are called oh, uh, Yaping Hulo. They are made from wood found in the forest. It first has to be cleaned so it does not cause any infections. The tattoos, which are called Tipei, so sorry, Tipei, T-I-P-P-E-I, are done by the elder women when an Apatani girl is about 10 years old. The ink is a mixture of pig's fat and soot from the fireplace. So the tradition of using large wooden earplugs and tattoos was carried from generation to generation, and women who followed it were considered honorable and protecting family dignity. But in the early 70s, unfortunately, the government banned the nose plugs and tattoos. And because of capitalism and globalization, they would cause like problems for women who would go into the city looking for jobs. So the tradition has almost died out, unfortunately. Nowadays, many, um, not many Apatani women are seen using nose plugs and tattoos. Most are older women who consider the tradition an integral, inter, oh my God, integral part of being Apatani. And they are proud of their cultural identity. So again, here we go. We're in the sense of, unfortunately, a lot of these cultures, tribal cultures or indigenous groups have no choice but to go and work um, in the cities because, you know, their livelihood is at stake and they're not getting resources that they need to be able to live. So a lot of, of the younger generation decide to go and enter the workforce in the cities. And what I find disturbing is that the government um, bans such things. And I'm thinking, you know, first of all, it's not your place to ban anything. It should be if you want to practice such um, such a thing, then you practice it. If you feel like it's part of your cultural heritage and it and it is part of you know your cultural heritage, no government should fucking tell you, uh, no, you cannot like put nose plugs or ear plugs, you know, and piercings and tattoos on your face. It should be a choice of whether or not you should do it. Not that it should be like government decree that you should not do it. Anyway, I'm not gonna go. I'm ah yes, my rant and rave. Woo! It started. All right, so next we're going to look at the uh, Maori tribe of New Zealand, and we're going to look at their practice of ta- uh, sorry about this, tamoko. So while the intricate swirls, spirals, and curves that adorn each individual's face are one of a kind, meaning no two are ever, ever the same, with the positions and lines used in each design conveying one's rank, social status, and power. They also made Maori men look fierce in battle, and they were also a symbol they kind of symbolize like a way to attract women um so tamoko what is it so it's the traditional maori tattooing often on the face and it's um it is a taonga or a treasure to maori for which the purpose and applications are sacred tamoko declined as an art form during the 20th century However, in recent decades, um, there, have been a, there has been a revival and many uh, Maori now wear tamoko as an expression of cultural pride and integrity. 
so each of the moko contains ancestral tribal messages specific to the wearer. That's why there are no, there is no similarity between um, between each of them in the sense of each individual has their own. Um, so these messages tell the story of the wearer's family and tribal affiliations, and their place, like we said, in these social structures. Structures, sorry. Um, Amoko's message also portrays the wearer's genealogy, knowledge, and social standing, as we said. So what is the difference between a moko and a tattoo? So tattoo is the English version of the Tahitian uh, word tattoo, spelled T-A-T-U. Tattoo is the tradition of marking the skin with ink and needles, whereas moko is the practice of scarring and marking the skin to reflect the wakapapa, the genealogy of the Maori wearer. So moko can be seen as a cultural affirmation. Uh, so they do have, as we said, they do hold meaning. So all symbols have meanings and usually a tribal link that tells the background and stories of the wearer, like we mentioned. Moko is a visual language that connects the wearer to their uh, wakapapa or their genealogy, which is a beautiful, I, I think that's just wonderful. Um, I love the way it's just said, that, like the moko is a visual language. Uh, so why do people get facial moko? Well, a moko on the face is the ultimate statement of one's identity as a Maori. The head is believed to be the most sacred part of the body, and to wear the moko on the face is to bear an undeniable declaration of who you are. Um, so is it only men that get moko? Um, no, women wear moko on, their, on the face too. A woman's moko is worn on the chin as well as occasionally appearing on the forehead, upper lip, nostrils, and throat. So this is, this is the, the, the tradition of the Maori tribe and the tamoko. As we said, it's, it's, it holds significance. It's, just not, it's not just there to adorn the body. There is symbolism behind it. It's their cultural identity and the applications are sacred. And there is, uh, as we said, there is a difference between the, the, the moko and the tattoo. So now we're going to look at um, a tribe um, that's situated in the northern part of Thailand. And they're known as the Kayan tribe, which is like a subdivision of another tribe. I'm actually going to post <laughs> the articles on um, Facebook and everything so you guys could actually see. Um, so, so yeah, so the, this um, tribe, the Kayan tribe, they're known for their long neck women. So beginning from age four or five, this is a bit different for, for, for of like body mod modifications, not the scarring, it's not the piercings, it's not the nose plugs it's long neck women so beginning from age four or five brass neck coils are placed around a cayenne girl's neck to give the appearance of a lengthened neck and you might have seen pictures of this so when asked about the origin of the practice even the cayenne women themselves do not have a direct answer some say the rings would offer protection from tiger attacks often aiming right for the neck and others speculate it would keep rival tribes from abducting the women by lessening their beauty. This is kind of going back um, to uh, the, the Apatani tribe, um, also where they they had also this this problem of being the women being abducted by rival tribes, and so they started to cover their beauty. So for many, having a long neck is the symbol of wealth, position, and beauty. But unfortunately, they're not too sure where the origins of it comes from and this is also um it's 
it's a bit sad because a lot of these traditions there's no written records of why something started the origins of a certain uh uh practice uh, because a lot of like we said a lot of these like tribes and everything they go by oral um storytelling or telling of things and unfortunately um as time passes the older generation that might still practice these um well might still practice these types of body modification or certain rituals um they're slowly slowly dying out and then there's no written record and it's lost and so the meaning behind many rituals and many practices is lost forever and and the tribe can't recount their stories because they don't know they don't remember and uh, they don't remember the origins of unfortunately so next we're actually going to go into scarification and we're going to go to ethiopia and we're going to have a look at the caro tribe so regarded uh, sorry regarded to be a form of art within the caro tribe scarification involves cutting the skin with a sharp instrument in a controlled manner to create a deliberate pattern or design. The long process sometimes includes further opening of the flesh to dispense, uh, to dispense like plant juices and dark pigments onto the wound. This causes the scar to heal, um, heal in, a raised and, uh, in a raised manner and uh, darker and it's forming like a, a keloid. So in Ethiopia's Karo tribe, the men scar their chests to represent killing enemies from other tribes. And women who engage in this practice have admitted that it is done to attract the attention of men as it is considered sensual and attractive, though many others cite that this ancient ritual is tradition more than anything else. So again, I will be posting um, a lot of the articles and also you'll, have, you'll be able to have a look um, at the different tribes that I'm mentioning, some you may be familiar with or you might seen like these practices already in pictures. Uh, so yes, I'll be posting them, especially on Facebook. So now we're going to look at a different kind of, uh, well, like the, the long-necked women um, and their brass coils and everything. This is also like a little bit different. And we're going to have a look at um, the Morsi tribe in Southern Ethiopia and their practice of um, stretching lips. So as we know, lip piercings are nothing new within the Western world. They're kind of banal. A lot of people have them. You see them on the lips, next to the lips, on top, below. We're kind of used to it. But here in this um, tribe, in the Morsi tribe, uh, the stretched lips is don uh, donned exclusively by the women. And it's said that the mouth is slowly stretched from the age of 13. So to prepare for the process of stretching the lips, the lower lip is first pierced um, about one to two centimeters in length and a wooden peg inserted to keep it in place. After the wound is healed, it will be replaced uh, progressively uh, by larger pegs until the lips are stretched enough to accommodate a full plate. Apparently, the insertion of lip plates is a coming of age of ex uh, a coming of age exercise, as it signifies that the girl has finally become a woman. So I found um, uh, this article on Hadithi.Africa, and um, and it talks about the origins of this custom. Uh, so it says it is uncertain how this custom came into being. 
One theory is that lip plating originated as a deliberate disfigurement designed to make women and young girls less attractive, attractive to slave traders. So this has been debunked because this theory came about when colonizers um, came into contact with the, the, with the tribe. And as I previously mentioned in the beginning of, um, of the show, you know, these colonizers, these Westerners couldn't come to a reasonable conclusion in their eyes of why you would do such a thing to uh, the the women and the young girls. They just saw it as, well, you're d you're doing it deliberately. Why would you make, you know, um, why would you make these women like not attractive? They just couldn't wrap their head around. That's not the point motherfuckers <laughs> it's not always about vanity goddamn westerners seriously it's not about vanity sometimes jesus so <laughs> sorry about that um so some researchers claim that the size of the lip plate the bigger the better was a sign of social importance or wealth within the tribe another analysis indicated that the bigger the size of the lip plate the bigger the dowry of a bride um, would receive on her wedding day. So for example, the larger the lip plate, the greater number of cows, for example, the bride's father can demand in his daughter's dowry. But some researchers dispute this theory. They argue that mar the marriage of most of these tribal girls, as well as the size of their dowries, is prearranged long before their lips are, um, are stretched um, by the lip plates. And others suggest that lip plating is simply an ornamentation meant to symbolize a woman's strength and self-esteem. So the practice is also described as being a sign of social maturity and reaching reproductive age. Thus, it indicates a girl's eligibility to become a wife. So again, the origin of, there's many theories behind it. There's even the Western theory of, well, you just did this to young, um, to young girls and young women just to disfigure them uh, on purpose so that they wouldn't be attractive, you know, to, um, uh, so that they wouldn't be sold into slavery. Uh, because again, Westerners could not fathom, why the fuck would you do this? Now, again, this is one of those customs that we're not too sure of the origins, the why. There's many theories behind it. So we're not too sure why or, or how this came about, um, the lip stretching. So in short, basically, I know this is a kind of like very, very short episode, but it was just to kind of bring to the forefront the body modifications that some tri tribal uh, societies do practice and i didn't of course i i could have like researched so many other uh tribal indigenous populations to kind of talk more about other um body modifications that those tribes also practice um it's actually interesting because in the course of my research i did uh come across a lot that said that there are similar practices done. So for example, with the, the lips, uh, lip stretching where you put a lip plate, they also practice it in a certain tribe in, in the Amazon. So there are similarities even like in, in tribal societies across the world that haven't had a chance, let's say, to, to meet. And they, they have adopted 
or they have not adopted, but kind of have similar practices. And the reasoning behind it, as we saw in, in, in many of these instances, well, in the five instances, aren't always about um, marking or enhancing one's beauty. As we saw, for example, um, the Epitani women, you know, who use the nose pegs and the fa facial tattoos, it's not a means of beautifying themselves. It's kind of, of a, a way of covering up their beauty. And of course, the older women who do still you have the nose pegs and facial tattoos, it's considered a, an integral part of being Apatani and they're proud of their identity. And it's the same for the Maori with the ta, uh, Tamoko. It's, it has a purpose. There's an application which is like sacred to them and it shows how proud they are of their culture, of their heritage. It, it shows, you know, their genealogy. So no, uh, no Tamoko is like the same um, because it, it just kind of, how did they put it? They put it as a, a visual illustration um, of one's story, of one's genealogy. So again, it's not always a means of beautifying themselves is to show their family history, their tribal history. And the same thing, you know, with um, the, the scarification in the Caro tribe, it's the men scar their chest to represent killing the killing of, of enemies. And even the women who do practice this, it's like, let's say, let's say 50% of them say, oh, it's to attract women, or it's to attract women? No, to attract men, because it's considered sensual and attractive. And many others just cite it as tradition. So again, it's it's kind of like, yes and no. So yes, it's a mean of means of beautifying ourselves, of beautifying our skin to be more attractive. But it's just also for us considered a ritual. You know, it's it's just a tradition for us. And again, a lot of unfortunately, a lot of these um, a lot of these <clears throat> excuse me practices, we're not too sure about the origins. The origins have been lost. You know, a lot of these um, tribal societies, indigenous societies, don't have written records of their their culture and their heritage. It's more oral. So a lot of it, unfortunately, has been lost, especially now that the older generation is is unfortunately dying out a lot of this of these customs traditions rituals practices are dying um dying with them which is uh, a shame and one of the things that um in in researching this and yes there is a kind of coming full circle and many of the new generation um starting again these traditions let's say of scarification um you know and of, of the well actually with the wooden peg one not too much because again we the, the population is declining they're moving more into the city so it's mostly like the older population but in the sense of there is like uh, the generation who's going back to those ancient traditions to try to maintain and keep them alive because otherwise they're going to be gone forever and there's no um record except let's say in in the present time but there's no record and a lot of the societies or indigenous tribes and and cultures have disappeared and there's no written record of them in the sense of their practices their tradition their speculation um when they did come into contact with uh western westerners or colonizers and like we said sometimes it didn't end so well you know westerners had their own ideas of why you know they would have such practices and many of the times it was like kind of you know they would they would describe it as a barbar barbaric ritual you know or barbaric practice and it's like okay but like did did you ask 
the tribal members at the time or you just came down to this conclusion yourself you probably came down to this conclusion yourself <sighs> no comment about colonizers seriously i could go on and on and on about it i'm gonna stop ranting and raving for <laughs> for now about that but as we can see there were there are many reasons behind the different body modification um, processes but um, what I wanted to actually also mention is that when I was doing my research actually I came across and I'm not too sure if if any of you have heard of this but it's this website and it's um, it's called atlasofhumanity.com I'm actually gonna put it on the Facebook group and page but it's very very interesting it's um, a, pho a photographic journey around the beauty of the cultural diversity and I was looking through it really quickly and everything but um, basically I'll read like what some of uh, what how they describe this Atlas of Humanity and it says every people is a treasure for humanity the most vital societies that history has known have always been those characterized by great ethnic and cultural diversity. UNESCO defines cultural diversity as a defining characteristic of humanity. Mm -hmm. And that's why it represents the common heritage of humanity. Actually, my soul sister and I, uh, my soul sister in, in Geneva and I were talking about this and everything. And, and I always say that a lot of these indigenous slash tribal communities, once they're gone, unfortunately, they're gone. And it's kind of like, a human loss because it's part of our, our it's it's part of our humanity our history of humanity they, they are part we are all one so um, so the common heritage of humanity uh, and should be recognized and affirmed for the benefit of present and future generations um, the project founded and curated by Martin Vegas uh, focuses on the photographs rather than the photographers in the hope that the natural admiration for these great pictures will encourage an even deeper sensitivity to humanity on a daily basis. So it's very, very interesting. And it, it talks about the different um, the different people uh, across the world, you know, from Vietnam to Bangladesh to Pakistan. Um, it's 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 a really, really interesting website. I'll actually put out like I said, I'll post it on social media and another one that I think maybe more people are familiar with this one is called the Atlas of Beauty. And um, the the woman behind the Atlas of Beauty is Michaela Noroc, and she's um, a photographer from Romania. And um, she started this project where she was going around the world uh, to, to take pictures of, of women across the world um, and kind of, as she puts it, uh, discover the unnoticed beauty which blooms in every woman so I'm also going to add her website so the Atlas of Humanity and the Atlas of Beauty actually I wanted to um, purchase the book the Atlas of Beauty but the thing is that since there's quarantine lockdown lock whatever the hell however you want to like you know <laughs> describe it I can't order it because nothing is posting to freaking Cyprus because everything is shut down in a way and so i have to wait until cyprus post decides or the government decides to reopen cyprus post so that i'll be able to um order the book um the atlas of beauty i've actually wanted to do it for a very long time and um and yeah and unfortunately now that i want to do it or i can do it it's like i can't 
So that kind of sucks, but that's okay. I'll wait, which means the shitty thing is I've ordered so many other things and I highly doubt I'll be getting any of those things anytime soon. Well, fuck me. <laughs> anyway, so like I said, all the articles that I referenced, I will be putting up on social um, media, especially the Facebook group and page because I'm able to put the links. Whereas Instagram, it's it's a little bit different. Um, and I'll also include the Atlas of Beauty and the Atlas of Humanity on there too. So you guys can, can check it out. Very, very interesting projects um, that I love, <laughs> seriously. Um, so on that note, this was a bit of a short episode except for my blah, blah, blahing. So I'm so sorry that I filled your ear holes with my nonstop talking. <laughs> it's kind of like a way for me to like... I, I don't I, because I like obviously I'm practicing social distancing. I'm not coming into contact with anyone except the cats on the balcony, the dog and my dad sometimes, which is very rare. So, yeah. <laughs> so pretty much, you know what to do. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us on your favorite podcasting apps. Um, don't forget to follow us. We're growing a following on Instagram. Don't forget to tell your friends, your family, your significant others, partners, uh, wives, husbands, whatever it may be. Um, spread the word on Beauty Unlocked. Let's grow this family even more. I have tons of surprises in store for everyone. I'm actually create, I'm actually thinking, since I did this bonus episode on the Wadabe, I'm thinking maybe of monthly bo bonus episodes um, or, I don't know, bi-weekly bonus episodes. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out everything um everything actually and i'm creating other content also because i'm going to start a, a patreon so i'm creating content for patreon so it's not finished yet i have a whole bunch of stuff that i'm i'm, I'm working on i'm getting there i should get my ass off of social media especially tiktok so that i can actually get some more work done but you know <laughs> shit um on that note don't forget um if you um, want to let me know if there's a particular subject you would like me to touch upon, you know, on for Beauty Unlocked, send me an email at beautyunlockedpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on face on the Facebook group, Facebook page, um, on Instagram. It's all under Beauty Unlocked. Hi, hey, you're going to see my crazy face here and there. So, you know, um, don't be a stranger. And with that, don't forget to love each other, love yourselves, spread some of that sweet, sweet love, especially in times of social distancing where we're not able to do it in the traditional hug kissing kind of way. Um, just spread that love, spread those good vibes, and you will hear from me on next week's episode. Bye. Wow. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. Whatever temperatures this winter brings, your friendly and knowledgeable Bryant dealer is ready to help. 
we have the right training and support and are backed by outstanding products from one of the industry's most trusted names, Bryant. Whether you need a quick fix or an entirely new heating system, we will do whatever it takes for your family's comfort. Find your local dealer at Bryant.com. Bryant, whatever it takes.